Welcome to the show everybody, this is Mimos Fractalus and I'm your host Orin Castillo. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by staying busy and finding something to do. The only two things we can do at this time. Your quote today from Christian Lang, technology is a useful servant but a dangerous master. And your joke for today, we need to uninstall 2020 and then try reinstalling it. The current version has a nasty virus. My guest today is Mr. Mike Wesby. He is a senior designer and network engineer at BTL. Currently, he is the project manager overseeing an initiative to improve the country's bandwidth and reliability. He studied telecommunications and electronic engineering at Cuba and also has a master's degree in project management. Welcome to the show, Mr. Wesby. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me. So um, let's start off by um, you telling us what you do at your job on a daily basis. Okay, so at the moment, I'm a full-time project manager, which means that I have a group of projects that I ensure are executed um, within budget scope and are on schedule. Um, okay. These projects, um, um, my, my projects are grouped um, together. So <clears throat> to make it easier for us, they would assign a project manager to a specific group of projects, and um, my projects are... Um, projects that are related to um, network optimization. Okay. So um, today what I want to talk to you about is um, some 5G conspiracy theories, right? Since that's up your area. But before I get to asking you in particular about 5G and stuff, um, I just want to preamble my questions by saying that, you know, uh, I remember that in the 1980s, right, there were many unfounded rumors going around um, about HIV and AIDS. One of them was that AIDS was a male homosexual disease and you could only catch it if you were a, a male who was a homosexual, right? Right. Um, I remember another rumor that went around that time was that if you had already caught the disease, you could be cured of it by having sex with a virgin. So tragically many young girls even babies were raped and consequently infected with the disease right um I, I just bring this up to highlight the dangers of spreading false information out there right and conspiracies um right. so recently since the outbreak of covid19 a conspiracy theory has been going around saying that the coronavirus outbreak has been caused by the use of 5g technologies in your opinion what merit is there to that theory? Okay, so the first thing, just to um, <clears throat> preface what I'm going to say, and the first thing that I would like to point out is that um, a lot of times the, this information is being um, created and spread by people who are not necessarily expert in that area. So if it kind of makes sense, um, they, they sort of um, tend to stand by it, but they're not um, necessarily experts. And what happens is that you tend to um, ignore what, um, and for many reasons, you tend to ignore what people who are um, 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 experienced and who have um, studied and who have um, been a part of, for example, the HIV um, epidemic at the beginning. <coughs> And, and really and truly, we don't have any um, 
a lot of times we don't have the actual, um, I would say the scientific authority to actually have opinions on these things, but we, we do it anyways. And mm-hmm. that is that is one of the dangers of sort of spreading information. And the funny thing is that, that there is usable information out there that um, comes from um, reliable sources and all that information is being ignored um, to sort of push this theory. And I think that has a lot to do with what's easier to believe. Um, <clears throat> sometimes there are certain things that, that, are, that are more palatable, they are more easier to, um, to sort of digest and, and people tend to run with that. And I remember the, um, one of the biggest arguments um, for um, people who believe that um, coronavirus is being caused by 5G is that they're saying that, well, in all the areas that um, that have coronavirus or the big outbreaks, um, those areas have installed 5G in the past. And at the beginning of the epidemic, that was, um, there was actually a very strong correlation between between um, the coronavirus outbreak and 5G and installations. But there's a saying that says, um, it, goes, it says that, um, I don't know if you know it, but it says that correlation does not imply causation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and basically what happens is that obviously the, the bigger outbreaks for any um, pandemic or epidemic is going to be in areas um, that are that have um, um, bigger or more dense populations, and those areas tend to have more people traveling in and out from those areas. At the same time, those areas from a business perspective are the better areas to go and install newer technologies because the, the return on investment is higher because obviously more people can afford it and more people will buy the technology. So basically, you're going to find that the, that the spread of the virus or the, the pandemic, at least in the beginning, correlates to uh, locations that are that have a lot of um, new technologies, which 5G is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that relationship doesn't hold over a long period of time. Um, it's the same for the relation for the um the example that you gave with the with people saying that um HIV was a homosexual disease because at the beginning um, when they started to investigate and they started to do uh, to do testing, it showed that a high um <clears throat> high number a high number of cases were um or, or from um, from the gay community. And because of that, people run with that. And people still believe that to this day, but that, that information after um, a couple, I guess, a couple thousand tests, it became very apparent that um, the disease wasn't a homosexual disease. It was a disease that affected basically or had the potential to affect every, everybody. Um, however, that that information sort of still stays, and I think it's because it's convenient for some people to actually believe that. So, because it's convenient for heterosexual people to believe that it's a homosexual disease, because why it means that they're they're safe from it, quote quote unquote. Anyways, I'm I'm digressing quite a lot. Um, I think um right now there's a lot of information that is out there. A lot of it is um 
is not factual. And mm-hmm. I think that, that people are sort of like um, grabbing at um, anything to rationalize what is going on. And a lot of times they're going to pick the, um, the easy um, answer. Um, and then people, like a friend of mine was, was, actually, um, was saying, people already are suspicious of the authorities. So if something... If, if there is some information out there that goes against what the government is saying or what WHO is saying, then they, they, they would prefer to believe that because they are um, maybe skeptical of what the, the authorities are, are saying. So I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of things going on there, but I would encourage people to um, do the research and, and, and reach out to people who understand um, <coughs> Um, who have maybe a little um, more in-depth knowledge of of um, how things, how these kind of the technologies work, and maybe they could they could clarify some of the things. Um, I have had people over the past three or four weeks, um, even from outside of the country, actually calling, <clears throat> and because that's that's basically my technical area, they are looking for um, the connection. And funny enough, um, you, you you see that um, have you seen that tree or that tree-like structure that is as you leave um Belmopan that is on the um the agricultural ground? It's mm-hmm. actually a cell phone tower, but it, it looks like a giant um palm tree. Yeah, I have noticed it. Okay, so that was the idea behind that was to install a tower in the agricultural ground, um, maybe, um, there, this is my understanding of course, um, was to install a tower in agricultural ground that wasn't, um, that it didn't stick out. Um, it sort of like blended into the, um, into the show ground. And I think that, that, was, that didn't really work, at least from my, my, um, my perspective, the, the tree was uh, disproportionate. It was too big, so, you know, it, it's like a, giant palm tree that doesn't really exist so anyways the, the idea yeah the idea behind that was um sort of like camouflage the tower mm-hmm. um the the physical tower itself doesn't um it doesn't um lend itself to the type of um technology or the generation of um, technology that we're using so just for argument's sake on one single tower like that one you could have um, various generations of um, of um, cell technologies. For example, in Belize, we are still using um, 2G, uh, 3G, and 4G. So we have um, all three technologies working uh, for both companies mm-hmm. and for different different reasons. Um, we don't have 5G um, in Belize. Um, people have called in and asked about that as well. Um, but because, listen to this, but because we have <clears throat> we have um, coronavirus cases in Belize or COVID-19 cases in Belize, people are actually questioning whether or not we actually have 5G. So they're, they're sort of like thinking in reverse. In their, in their minds, uh-huh. there has to be a connection between 5G and 4G. I mean, sorry, 5G and COVID-19. So if we have COVID-19, 
that means that we have to have 5G in the country. <laughs> okay. So, so they're accepting the fact, well, they're accepting the theory and making it in their mind a fact that 5G causes COVID-19. So right. since we have COVID-19, then, like you said, they're reverse engineering to the, to the, that it must right. be fact that 5G is already here. Right, right. So, like I was explaining, I think we had this conversation before, that people, if people are going to find a way to rationalize what they believe. So if they truly believe that um, 5G um, is causing COVID-19, then if we have COVID-19, they're not going to let go of their belief. What they're going to do is they're going to figure out a way how it still makes sense. And uh, sometimes it's because they don't want to admit that they're wrong. And like I said before, sometimes it's because they need to have a way how to understand what's going on. So they just pick like, basically the most, I would say, the easiest way. Mm-hmm. But but to, to add to that, um, to, to debunk that argument, they're actually two countries in the Caribbean that have um, <clears throat> deployed 5G. One is Puerto Rico, and you know Puerto Rico is basically, I think, a state of the United States, if I'm not yes. mistaken, or something like that. And then you have Suriname, which is a, which was a Dutch um, um, colony, and they're, they're a country now. This is in South America. And, and these two countries have a 5G um installations but we have um, the virus is in pretty much every single Caribbean South American and Central American country now if the theory holds true those two countries would have the most cases or at least the higher percentage highest percentage of cases per, per population or per population density or by population density but that is not the case and and you can do a quick Google search and you'll, you'll notice that there are many, many other, other um, countries in the Caribbean and, and Central, Central and South America and Latin America that has way more cases than both Puerto Rico and Suriname. I think Suriname only have, only have, they have a handful of cases, like less than 10 or something like that. So if that tier was true, they would probably have like maybe hundreds of cases. Uh, you could even go as far as say those would be the only countries that have the coronavirus and nowhere else because nowhere else has the technology. So I, I think, I mean, this one is really, really easy to, um, to debunk. To debunk. And I yeah. think if you just if you just sit down, uh, take five minutes and go on the net and look at the where the, um, the virus is, the virus is basically in every single country in the world at this at this point um a hundred and i think there are some something like 200 plus countries in the world and they're like uh the virus is in 185 countries already so it's i would say in 80 or 90 percent of all the countries in the world have at least one case of the virus okay um i just want to like maybe backtrack a little bit because we've been talking about 5g and sure. there are some people out there who don't know what the G stands for in 5G and 4G and that stuff. The G stands for generation. Correct. Right? So, like, yeah. Go ahead. Right, right. So, when um, mobile technology started, the idea of a generation didn't exist. Um, they just started mobile communication and 
basic and, phone um, calls. Basic phone calls and they started to look at uh, ways how they, that um, technology could um, improve and to differentiate between this whole, um, I would say, whole group of improvements um, and what they had at the moment. They started to call it um, second generation. When you could start sending um, text messages, right? That's the second generation. Correct. Correct. Basically. And then after the second generation, and of course they had like incremental changes between the first and the second, the second and the third and so on. But after the second generation, I think the major um, communications providers got together and they started, they started to standardize or formalize what the next generations would be. Mm-hmm. So when they got together, um, they, they created a formal um, um, standard or, or I'd say best practices or, or a bunch of standards. Uh, it's called uh, GSM. And that was then, um, that, that then became the 3G technology. Mm-hmm. And, that, and so it's, it's not as simple as I'm explaining it because there were people that, that went in their own direction. I, I, I don't know if you recall, CDM, they had CDMA and then yeah. they, had, they had different versions of what 3G was. So they had HSPA plus, um, they, had, um, they had the standard GSM that detail installed in smart, um, smart implemented CDMA, which was like, maybe a, a, a less accepted version of um, the same 3G technology, but because it had the same speeds, it was still classified as, um, as 3G. 3G. Right. And then, then as, as the generations progressed, more and it became more, um, more an accepted standard to refer to each significant um, change to the network. Mm-hmm. As a as a new generation, and and now you actually have people who are def- who are are coming together and defining um, what the next generation should be, and this is this is um, this is um, caused or this is the, the the driving force behind this is um, what we need next, basically, and and so five G, interesting enough, is in this case is based on um what what is the next step in our technological evolution and i'll go into that shortly but i just wanted to talk about 4g because mm-hmm. 4g is what we have at the moment and the big defining factor because there are many factors for each generation so the defining factor for 3g was definitely um the internet maybe not as fast as we have it now but the defining factor to differentiate between 2G and, and 3G, in, in my um, opinion, is the, um, the, the fact that, that internet was, was possible. And then um, 2G, I think it was texting, SMS, but mm-hmm. remember it's not, um, it's not clearly defined because they, ha- they did have, I'd say, 2G technology that had data, like I would say like 2.5G. Yeah, yeah, multimedia um, um, messaging um, system, and then um, between 3G and 4G, there was there were um, 3.5G. So they did have like basically 3.5G is faster 3G. So mm-hmm. so if you miss the if you miss the, um, the the standard requirements of 4G, but you're you're offering faster 3, um, 3G, then 
they would normally refer to it as uh, 3.5 uh, G. And now I think we're going to, to take a hard jump from 4G to 5G, and there's a reason for that. It's because the way how the standard is defined, um, the standard says that there these are the spe these are the specific things that you need in order for you to um, call your network a 5G network. So the standard doesn't define how you're going to do it. It just defines what it is that you need to um, you need to have to call a 5G network. And basically, it's um, two things: it's the bandwidth mm -hmm. and the latency. And what let me is what what are those? What what's bandwidth? What's latency? Okay, so so a, a simple way to look at bandwidth is to look at uh, look at it as a pipe, uh, sort of physical pipe, like for example the one that the water goes through, and the water would be um, the data that goes through the pipe, and the bigger pipe you have, um, the more water can reach you or can can leave from from the source. So bandwidth is basically the, the volume of um, of information that you can send or receive, and it's measured in bits per second. Mm -hmm. And of course, those bits can then be grouped into megabytes and, and sorry, megabits and gigabits and so on. And then the latency is basically how fast the water flows through the pipe. So it's basically how fast the information gets from say point A to point B. Um, the better latency or the lower latency, the better for the network. And there's a very specific reason for that. Um, we're looking at um, technologies like um, self-driving cars. And um, these, this is a very good example of why latency is important. So when, so self-driving cars are, are connected. They're always connected to, um, to um, servers and to other cars and to sensors on the street and so on. Mm -hmm. And just like how you have a reaction time, for example, when you're maybe getting into a, an accident, you would um, press the brakes. So your latency as a, per, as a human being is how quickly you react um, to pressing the brakes and stopping the car. And that same, the very same concept translates into latency for a network. So how quickly the information gets from the other car to a, to a server, then maybe back to your car or directly across from your, your car to the next car. So latency is very important for these kinds of applications because it defines how quickly the information gets from one point to the next. All right. And like you said, for the case of um, self-driving cars, you need that to happen quickly. Exactly. Right? Right. So, accidents. Right. right. So, so we we're looking for a network, or we're we're looking for a technology that actually um, is going to. It's not only about um, having self-driving cars that can drive just like how um, humans do. It's, it's to have self-driving cars that are safer than the way how humans drive. And to do that, obviously, these these um. These vehicles need to have a faster reaction time, which means that the network that connects them together, because self-driving is basically um, an, a, a system that pulls in thousands, tens of thousands of um, information streams and work on them 
in order to provide back information to the vehicles so that they can move around and avoid each other and get from point A to point B and so on. It's, it's, it's very, very complicated technology, but um, the, the basis behind it is just basically um, everybody knowing what everybody else is doing so that they can interact with each other without human intervention. Sort of like the first version of um, Skynet, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what you were talking about just now reminded me of the movie iRobot starring Will Smith. I don't know if you're familiar right. with that movie, uh, where yeah. they're driving cars, um, the cars that drove themselves to and right, from right. home and work. So that's where we'll um, get to eventually. That's the kind of thing we're heading towards with 5G technology. Yeah. Um, um, yes. Yeah, that's that's a very good example because I don't know if you, we can recall, but all the, the robots. So I think what the Smith was basically thinking that that the robots were working um, individually and they were actually being controlled by a centralized, like a supercomputer or something, and then they mm-hmm. had this this one robot that interacted with him, and this was sort of like offline. Right. But that that robot in itself was a. Uh, sort of like a, 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 a much improved version, even though it looked like the rest. I think it was, it was programmed um, differently or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, but the idea is, is that you have a centralized system that, um, or maybe a semi-centralized system. It doesn't necessarily have to be one, one um, single point um, <laughs> that sort of like, um, sort of like, a, 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 like a, a traffic policeman or something like that. <laughs> Okay. But of, cor- of course, self-driving cars can actually, as the name implies, they can actually manage by themselves. So they, I, I believe there should be a, um, a, some sort of like safety mode when it gets disconnected from a network. So mm-hmm. I think there's that as well. I mean, it, there's a lot There's a lot to it. All right. So like you said, the differences between, between the generations, between 3G, 4G, 5G, can be many and technical, right? Um, my simplified understanding of it was that like 4G is five times faster than 3G. And if I remember reading somewhere online, um, 5G was even supposed to be like 10 times faster than 4G, right? With 4G, you can get up to 100 megabytes per second speeds, right? And then 5G is going to be like 10 times faster than so like, you know, one gigabyte per second speeds, no? Um, right. One of the dif- main differences between these is the, the frequency, right, that they operate on. Isn't that so? With right. each generation, um, is a different frequency? Um, it's, it's like that, not necessarily because um, the frequency defines the generation. It's more to do with already using this frequency, so we sort of have to implement it in a different frequency because... This one is already saturated with existing technology. That's one reason. The the other reason is that, and very important, is that mm -hmm. at higher frequencies, um, you can transmit more information on on higher frequencies. However, the the drawback to higher frequencies is that high high frequencies don't go as far as lower frequencies. Mm -hmm. So, So I don't think that the frequency band is what drives the new technology in that 5G is defined by the bands that it is in. Mm-hmm. It's more defined by by what the end user requires or what, what the technology need is. 
Right. And then, the, yeah. So it's it's not as simple as that. Okay. So like, if I understand correctly, what you're saying, it's kind of like with um, radio stations, right? Why um, Love FM and Creme and Wave they don't um, all operate on the same band because then if Love FM already has 88.9, then that frequency is already saturated, as you said, right? It's already being used. So the other right. radio stations have to use a different frequency. Right. So um, um, right now, right now there are two reasons why we're using like extremely high frequency for 5G. So, mm -hmm. but just before I go into that, um, so 2G is like in the lower frequencies. Um, and the really cool thing about 2G is that 2G reaches very, very far. So when we had 2G technology, we needed less cell phone towers and the signal would reach um, to areas that um, any, uh, any higher generation would reach. Um, sure. that, that was like in the, in the less than one, one gigahertz frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, and then when, we in, when we went up in, in generations, we wanted to sort of pack more data um, um, on the frequencies. And to do that, we had to, had to up the frequencies. But at the same time, bear in mind that the lower frequencies were already being used by 2G. So there are two reasons. One is that we need more data to be transmitted. And two, those frequencies are sort of already being used. It sort of work, worked out hand in hand, but to do that, it became more expensive because at higher frequencies, we had to then install more towers because then the, the, the data wouldn't travel as, the, and the coverage would be less. And then when we went to 4G, I don't know if you noticed that more towers are popping up all over the country. Um, mm -hmm. We have um, BTL, I think, alone has like 200 towers as opposed to like five years ago when they had like 100. And then, like years back, they had less than 100. And um, if we implement 5G, um, it's going to be even more um, more cells, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily more towers, because 5G 5G is so close together that you can probably put antennas uh, on, like on tall buildings, for example. And even 4G, we have some of that in Belize. So, you have, like, I don't know if you noticed that in some parts of the country or right here in Belize still like on top of um um the the bus terminal building there's a there's a whole bunch of cell phone um antennas up there. Oh, okay. And then on top of the BTL building on Regent Street there's a whole bunch of um towers um cell phone antennas up there. So you don't necessarily yeah. need a tower. I've noticed those ones for sure. <laughs> right. And so with 5G now, 5G is, is extremely high frequencies. So in 4G, you're at 2.5 gigahertz max. And then when you mm -hmm. go to, um, to 5G, you're in, um, you can go all the way up to 95 um, gigahertz. Okay. Uh, which, which means that the cells then become much, much smaller, which means that the number of towers are going to increase. <coughs> mm -hmm. um, it's yeah. an inverse relationship, no? Between the frequency right. and the distance it can go, right? The, or the wavelength, correct. right? Correct, correct. Um, yeah, so there is that, the distance that, that it can travel because um, there's, there's a bit more physics behind it. But mm -hmm. um, I think the simplest explanation is that the, the higher frequency, 
the more energy is needed to actually produce the um, the the um, wave. Mm-hmm. And then for the wave to change direction so many times as it pushes through the medium, which is the air, means that the wave needs more energy to, to, to live longer. And um, what you do is that you don't you can't increase energy infinitely because obviously there's a cost to it and technically it's impossible. It's, it's so, going to take more electricity and right. that is going to um, overheat the towers too, which will be another problem, right? Right. So the wiring and, and, and the, the actual equipment that you're going to use is going to be cost prohibitive. So, and then there are regulations that says that you can't, um, there are regulations with relation to the amount of energy that you use to transmit the signal. So um, 5G then becomes very, very small cells. And that means then that you need much more cells. So instead, of, instead of 200 um, cells, you, you probably need like a thousand, for example. And mm-hmm. and I'll tell you this, um, that is very, very expensive. And and telecommunication services providers in Belize and maybe in, in a lot a lot of other parts of the world are going to look at the cost of implementation. And I, I don't think that is going to happen very, very soon in Belize because we only just um, implemented a relatively um, wide I'd say a broad coverage 4G network, um, both at Smart and BTL, mm-hmm. and and they made um, big investments in getting that um, that technology in. So I'll be very skeptical if um, if somebody says that they're going to start to in, um, install 5G in the country, um, unless <laughs> unless they do it like on a small scale, like say um, I was just say, Al- yeah, like say Albert Street, where yeah, we have Albert. a lot of cost. Yeah, a lot of customers, it's ideal because there's a lot of big buildings mm-hmm. and you can install a couple of 5G um, cell sites like like on Albert Street and maybe Regent Street mm-hmm. and you'd get like a, like a, like a small coverage area that um, people who would have phones that could do 4G and 5G would be able, when, as soon as they go in that area, they would have 5G speeds, which would be like a really cool, um, I'd say, proof of concept. Mm-hmm. But to say that we're going to have um, 5G like as a widespread network in the country, I don't see it happening anytime soon. All right. Um, so let me see. We're, we're still on the topic of how to debunk this um, 5G causes coronavirus theory, right? Um, right. Could you talk about you know, ionizing radiation and non-ionizing radiation and how it relates to this theory, you know? Okay, that, that's a good one. Um, ionizing radiation um, is basically radiation that causes... Um, so it's radiation like, um, like, like the radiation you get from X-ray or from um, sunlight. Um, and well, in particular, ultraviolet sunlight, right? Correct. A part of the sunlight that we receive, not all of it, because remember, <laughs> sunlight is good. Mm-hmm. Um, a part of uh, UV are the higher frequencies. Um, UVs, X-rays, and gamma rays. Correct. But remember that these frequencies are ultra-high frequencies. We're talking about, um, I can't tell you off the top of my head, but these are... Um, these are um, 
really, really high high frequencies, higher than higher than than what we're using even at at um at um five at um at um five G five G. But the thing is that any frequency could be ionizing because what ionizing radiation does is sort of like break down um break down um molecules or atoms, right? So mm-hmm. there's there's basically so first of all it has to be um the frequency has to be high enough so that it actually penetrates your skin. So the frequency has to be about the order of a of a of a molecule or maybe smaller. And I think that is um that is about the um the frequency of light, which I can't tell you off the top of my head, but that is way higher than than what we're using uh, on radio waves. And then it has to have enough energy to actually um, tear off an electron off, off of uh, an atom or a molecule and then, and then basically create, creates an ion. And that is, that is what um, ionizing radiation is about. So um, the idea is that, and what people need to understand is that all kinds of things have to happen before something becomes, or before, uh, before uh, energy is, is ionizing or so, so for example, X-ray is is very very um, um, dangerous because ions um, the increase in, in um, I guess free radicals or ions in your body actually causes um, uh, mutations in cells because obviously um, it changes um, DNA strands because these ion these um, ions are in the DNA strands it changes the DNA which then causes the, um, the the cells to mutate and then the mutated cells create copies of themselves and then these copies become um, basically cancers, tumors and so on. So so um, this um, mutation um, is not the kind of mutation that you see on um, TV like um, Spider-Man or... or, or not the cool uh, kind of mutation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this actually causes um, people to get sick. Now, a realistic kind of mutation, <laughs> right? So you have uh, self cell damage, um, but um, these things happen when the energy is so high that instead of it causes um, because actual um, long term and uh, um, like cancer and death, it actually physically burns you. Right, like that is learn that you get from UV rays. Correct. So we've been we've been exposed to ionizing radiation since the beginning of uh, humanity. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about our bodies is that if we are exposed to very low levels of um, ionizing radiation, our body actually could handle it. Um, so you could handle, I think, a couple of X-rays per year, right? mm-hmm. and and it's not not going to significantly affect your health. So you can go to the hospital and you can get an x-ray or two, or I don't know what the number is, but um, and you're going to be okay. That's fine. I've, I've done x-rays myself. I think maybe you've, you've done um, mm-hmm. yeah. x-rays. And um, we're, we're okay. We're, we're still alive and that is not going to, um, that is not going to affect our um, life expectancy. But if you get um, you get if you get many many X-ray X-rays done, and this happens to people who are the X-ray technicians um, who do not use um, uh, protection. 
um, personal PP for X-rays. And what happens is that um, they're um, they're more prone to um, to um, getting cancer. Um, so in, in the United States, for example, they have um, regulations for how long you can work as an X-ray um, technician. Okay. Um, and so and so what happens? So what is the relationship between this and um, five G technology? So what people are saying is that um, the five G technology um, affects um, affects us and, and other living things, and um, because it causes ionizing uh, radiation. Um, I'm 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 not going to be the person that says that's impossible because I know that. At very very high energy, um, it it is possible. But remember, in our pre in in our in this same conversation, we also said that, or I said that, um, five um, G um, waves do not travel very far, mm-hmm. and and this is because the the waves weaken very very quickly. Um, so. Basically, people with this um, this theory would have to prove that the five G um, technology um, causes a certain amount of ionizing radiation um, over a period of time because it's time based. So it has to accumulate. It's like a, like somebody shining a light on you, and and nobody has been um, able to prove that um, that the levels are high enough to actually, for example, cause cancer and it's very, very hard to see the connection between uh, that and a virus. Um, so how does it, how does, what does it do? Does it, does it magically create the virus or does it take a normal virus that, is, that has already been around and then changes that virus to the coronavirus? Okay. Yeah, that then, is, that's a couple of the, the theories that I've seen online. One of them was that... Um, the virus travels on 5G radio waves, right? 5G cell transmission waves. Another one that I saw was that um, the coronavirus is a mutated version of the flu virus that came about because they started using 5G, right? Those are a couple of the theories. Right. Um, yeah, one of, one of, the, one of the, the, I think, the ones that are far out is that the, the, the coronavirus like you said, travels on the 5G wave. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything that can do that. Um, An electromagnetic wave is either going to go through or around something, but it doesn't, it doesn't move it around in the air because if that would, that would happen, then we would see um, things flying about from 2G or from 3G. Because... Uh, just from- um, or regular radio towers that right, you know, right. transmit low FM right. waves and stuff like that. Right. Plus the five G technology, the coverage is very limited. So how it would have traveled, for example, from China to the United States or China to um, Italy, <clears throat> and then and then they're saying um, they're saying that it can travel through the air, but it, like it can also travel. Um, people can also carry it. So then that's sort of like answers their question, whoever believes that. How, how it travels via droplets, no? Right. And so, I mean, it, like I said, it's very, very hard to, um, to argue these things because 
people are going to figure out a way to explain whatever it is that you you come up with um you know so um i'd say i'd say um one part of me that um says that um let's um leave it like that and let let's allow people to believe what they want to believe but it's very dangerous because mm-hmm. people people act on what they believe on and what they believe in and that could have, that could have very very serious consequences um to other people maybe not to themselves but um to other people that they um you know they interact with yeah cuz um one of the serious consequences is i i have seen news reports that um people have burned down 5g towers in um in the uk and in italy because right. i suppose of these um 5g theories that link it with the coronavirus correct um, um yeah another thing i want to you wanted to say something no i i have read in the news about the the, the 5g towers and i think in the uk i think at least five of them in the past couple of um, weeks have yeah. been vandalized or, or burned down and um i don't know i am i i believe that um like i said people are entitled to believe what they want to believe but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the right to destroy you know a property because of what they believe Mhm. Right. Um So the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was um remember how earlier in the conversation I said that you know um some people um had heard that if you caught the AIDS virus that you would um have sex with a virgin and then it would be you would be cured. Um that happened in a time before the internet which is fortunate and unfortunate. I say it's fortunate because the spread of ideas like those didn't spread like it spreads today on the internet. You know, back then it was from one person telling to another person. So the spread of an mm-hmm. idea like that took a long time. And I say it's unfortunate because just as long it took for um, that information to spread, the same amount of time it took for the education needed to dispel those kinds of um wrong ideas would you know take the same amount of time to spread as well um right. with the internet these days information is spread in a matter of minutes across the globe um many people don't um remember where the term viral video <laughs> came from <laughs> right? right um right. this is a prime example of right now viral is you see how it started in china and it has went viral across the world literally right the right. Um, coronavirus um so you know that's where the term viral video came from and so you know i want to ask you in your opinion what advantages and disadvantages are there to the internet and um its ability to spread information across the globe in a matter of minutes right so so i i would say that um telecommunications technology and uh, specifically social media um it it's it's not it's neither good nor bad um i think that it's extremely useful especially to share information because um you get a lot of information more quickly now which is a good thing but when you get the wrong information then it becomes a bad thing so i don't think that that um the technology in itself is either good or bad 
And I, I can use two examples that um, can sort of like um, illustrate what I'm, I'm saying. Um, like for example, nuclear technology from uh, from um, from existing uh, nuclear technology that we have, you could create bombs, or you could you could produce energy, um, you know, electrical um, power. And the, the, so the technology itself isn't bad; it's basically what you use it for. And um, so it's actually the the, um, the actors or the users of technology. Now they're the ones that are either um, I'd say. Um, good or bad, or they are using they are being um, they are using the technology um, rationally, or they are using it um, sort of to spread their own ideology. And it's the same thing with a gun. A gun isn't necessarily good or bad. You could use it to harm somebody, or you could use it to hunt for food, for example. Right. And it's it's, it's the same gun. And I so, but I think uh, overall it's it's very very uh, useful. And I think that um, measures are being taken. Um, at the moment, to I think by the, by major um, uh, social media platforms like um, Twitter and Facebook and so on, to um, sort of limit um, the uh, false information that is going about, and but that that lead, leads us to a I would say a a, a, a moral um, dilemma: who who defines what is useful information and what is not. Because to somebody, for example, a conspiracy theorist, if he believes that a certain video that is out there is um, is important information to him or her, and say the government or some some entity blocks that video, mm -hmm. then they are simply going to take it as, well, you know, I was right because see, they are now blocking the video, so. You know, so it's a very, very touchy um, situation. It's a, it's a slippery slope, and the more you try to censor what the fake information that is out there, it becomes more interesting to people. Um, right. When they tell you not to do something, it makes you want to do it even more. Right? That's kind of like right. kind of human nature. Right. So if I tell you don't watch this video. That is, you're going to say, oh, there's a reason you don't want it to watch. Mm -hmm. you know, if, you, so, if, you, if you tell if you tell a woman, don't eat the fruit from that tree, then she wants to go and eat the fruit from that tree kind of thing. Exactly. So I think the only way how we can do it um, is to sort of have um, people um, that are interested in, in and that are pushing. So 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 as you flood in front, flood the, the internet with. Sorry, with with fake information or false information, mm -hmm. you're you're also flooding it. You're also counter counter, or you're balancing it with pushing out factual information, useful information, um, instead of just sort of like trying to cut people out because they're going to take it as the reason that you're cutting me off is because this information is important, and so we need to have. And again, there, there are going to be many counter-arguments to this, but we, we need to have um, organizations or entities that are sharing information as quickly as, as there is, um, there is um, false information out there. Like for, and I think um, right now you, you notice that the Ministry of Health um, is sort of like um, doing that a lot because they're 
they are sharing a lot of information from WHO. Mm-hmm. They are they are being um, they are being transparent about the, the I, as far as um, my opinion goes. They are being transparent about the number of cases and they they are sharing infographics and videos and all of these things. So it it's a, it's it's a way to fight back um, by just making other information available. The problem with that is that, like I said, people are going to not want to look at what they're not interested in. So you might be throwing that information at them, but they're just going to ignore it. Right. It it just boils down to the person and what they're interested in. Because, um, like you said, you know, the internet is there. It's just a tool. You can use it for whatever you want to. But a lot of people use it to just look at cat videos all day long and and things like that. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Or or look at... um, people fighting in the streets, you know, right? Um, yes, that's there on the internet and you can look at that or you could also look at, you know, something that's going to teach you a skill, right? Something that's going to show you a hobby that you could maybe parlay into something to earn money later. There's two sides of the coin, right? Right. Um, yeah. It, it, it's the, the thing that what we have to do, I think is we, we need to, and this is a long-term solution. We need to, and, and you're an educator, so you, you may or may not um, agree with me, but and this is just my opinion. I think we need to um, to update um, how we teach and what is being taught at school. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, um, when I was growing up, they used to teach us the multiplication tables. Mm-hmm. And for at that at that time we need we needed to have that basically in our heads because it's not like that information would be readily available. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you could learn it because you need to understand how it works. But everybody has a cell phone. Everybody has a calculator. Um, the internet is there. So I think maybe our focus should be more on how to, I mean, for the effects of this conversation, how to like find information that is going to be um, from a verifiable source. So basically how to, how to learn because there are so many things out there and I think that if we take advantage of what we have, we could, we could be well, way more educated than, than people were um, 20 years ago. But like you said, what we're getting off the internet is just information that is for entertainment purposes only. Um, right. I could, like, I could like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I could learn to build a nuclear reactor right now on YouTube. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, at least I could get, I could probably get an idea of the materials that I need. I could probably get um, some kind of experiment that was done. I could do that right now. That that is that is something that I can sit down right now in front of my computer and start to research and maybe by tomorrow I'd have a very good idea or maybe in, in an hour I would have a very good idea but nobody does that nobody sits down and say oh I want to see how um, electromagnetism works mm-hmm. but we do have access to that information and most of it is free um, and so I think maybe maybe we should um, we should maybe change and uh, not not I'm not saying that we should just throw away 
um, what we're doing at the moment, but we can make some changes to, to our, our um, existing, um, I'd say, um, study plans or syllabus or whatever mm -hmm. it is called. Or, um, <clears throat> in order to sort of like um, teach people how to, how to digest information, how to discard information that, that isn't, um, I'd say, misinformation or isn't practical. Um, that that should be our next or the evolution of of um, educating our young young people. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, um, the two sides of the argument, right? Like, I I see merits in having that um in person class where you know you have that traditional model of thirty people or more in a class and you know they're paying attention to the teacher and all that. Um, but like you said, you know, the information is out there readily um, accessible by anyone who has access to the internet. And so it's not just giving students information. The people, young people of today who are going to be the leaders of tomorrow need to know what to do with that information, how to think critically, right? Basically all that you're saying. I agree right. with you, definitely. Right. And, um, and, uh, and, and techniques that we used to use back in the day, um, some of them are no longer, um, I'd say, no longer um, that useful. And then, one one thing that I would like to touch on is that this um this pandemic has given us the opportunity to sort of experiment with um, learning from home, for example, that um, we would have otherwise taken a while to implement. Mm -hmm. um, learning from home and working from home, because um, in some um, um, in some um, um, workplaces, a lot of the work that you do at work can be done right at home. Like, for example, if you need to write a report or put together a presentation or something, you can do that at home. And then a lot of the meetings that you have can be done with existing technology. Um, so you don't actually have to um, go physically to, um, to a meeting room. And right. that's, that saves money because if you don't need a meeting room, then you don't have to build one <clears throat> and you don't have to keep it clean and, and you know. Um, so there, there are things that is happening right now that are, I would say, positive things that, have, that has come out of the, um, has come out of the, um, this situation with the coronavirus, or COVID-19. Yeah, it um, forced a lot of people um, the world over to test out and to, um, you know, give a good trial run of how online classes would work, right? Um, and because that is the way how it is trending towards the future, right? Um, you do, many, many, pe many people have gotten degrees online, right? Um, right, right? I say many people, but it's still a small percentage of um, the entire population worldwide. Uh, many people, there's still that traditional um, place where you go to the university and you get the degree in um, by attending in-person classes and stuff like that. But right. more and more people are getting their um, education online. And so that's the trend that is going towards, definitely. Right. Um, um, yes. One of the things as well with the work-from-home model is that you don't have to travel to work, so you save on fuel, um, you don't have to get up as early, so you save. You have more time to spend with your family. Um, 
not traveling sort of minimize, for example, pollution. Um, Definitely. So, so we're seeing in some countries um, that the, the air quality has improved. Um, there's a lot of things, um, there's a lot of positives um, from this, this experience. Um, and then going back to the, to, the, um, to the education online degrees and so on, um, that's very important, but just remember that you have to, quality of education has a lot, um, a lot to do with, um, um, it's a very important um, thing to look at when you're dealing with online, um, like the online universities, because you have to ensure that these universities are not, um, I would say like diploma mills. <laughs> like um, Trump, Trump University. Right. Stuff like that. And there, yeah. there are cases where you have, you pay a couple uh, hundred or a couple thousand dollars and you get a, a degree in something. So just for advice um, to people out there, because I did, um, I did a, an online degree in um, project management. Mm-hmm. And before, before I did that, I did, it took me a couple of months. I did some research. Um, to actually find a university that was accredited by the education authority in that country where the, the, where the, um, the, the headquarters for the university is. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. And then I had to ensure that the course that was given was accredited um, internationally. And then, of course, I had to look at price, at casting. So those were my three, uh, those, that was the criteria, the three, three things, the um, national accreditation by the accreditation body of the country, which is normally the Ministry of Education. Mm-hmm. And then ensure that the syllabus has um, an international um, scope or accept, acceptability. Um, internationally, so that uh, my degree would then be able to, um, it would then be valid, for example, in Belize. And so, when you're when you're doing a degree online, you have to you have to make sure that the money that you're investing is is worth um, is is worth is worth it. You know, so so if you if you do a Google search for a university, you're going to find thousands of universities and then when you start to filter down and you start to um, start to like put certain criteria, those numbers go down. So for the young people who are planning to continue studying online, which is an excellent option because it allows you to work as well as as was my case, I was able to continue work and finish my degree, which took me about a little bit over two years, but I could have finished it in 18 months, but um, I couldn't balance the workload because I had to work as well, so it sort of stretched out a little. Yeah. Just, just bear in mind that you have to be able to choose the correct university online. <laughs> mm, okay. All right, well, um, I think we covered a lot of topics today concerning to the coronavirus and technology. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show with us today, Mr. Westby. Thank you very much. Sure. I'm looking forward to the next one. There's so much um, things that we need to um, touch on as engineers in in Belize. There there are a lot of things that are going on that we need to be more vocal and more involved about. And I'm I'm looking forward to um, 
maybe um, shedding some light on these topics, especially for young people growing up. All right. Well, in, in engineering, yeah. Well, it sounds like I'll be having you on the episode again in the future, right? Sure, no problem. Okay, and now it's time for five for five. All right, so um, for you, I've prepared um, five facts about technology. Okay. Since you're a tech guy, somewhat, right? You know, in right. telecommunications and so forth. So um, right. you tell me if it's true or if it's false, you know, something that um, is true or if I just made it up, right? Okay. So number one, the first computer bugs were actual bugs inside a computer. That's, that's a good one. I think that's true. That is true, actually. Yes, yes. That's where the term came from, right? Um, right. Back in the day, they used to make computers with um, tubes that used to light up, and so it used to attract uh, little moths, and it would um, cause the tubes, the tiny little tubes, to um, short circuit. And so when the computer didn't work that properly, they would look inside and say, oh, there are these little bugs in there, and that's where the There's first term bug. computer bug came from. Yeah. All right, so... One for one. Number two, Apple computers are immune to, virus, so, to viruses. That's a false. That's no, false. Many people fact. think that's true. Yeah, yeah a lot of, even, even, false. even Linux, um, Linux boxes are, are susceptible to virus. It's just that people think it's false because most viruses are designed to infect Windows boxes. Exactly. There are two reasons for that. One is because Windows is the most used OS, and mm-hmm. two because it, it's it's a very it, it has been a very buggy um, operating system. So it it's it's pretty much easier, and the impact is is, is greater if you if you write a if you write a mm-hmm. malware for for Windows box. All right. So you're two for two. Number three, right. using a cell phone at a gas station is a fire risk. Ah. That is technically not true based on the research that I have done. It's, a, it's an antiquated um, r- rule that has been there. Um, I don't, I mean, there's a very, very small risk of um, cell phones causing um, fires to happen. I think it's just a rule that, that we have that we haven't gotten rid of. Like, for example, using a cell phone on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a rule that's there, but I mean, I've seen many people using use cell phones on on, on planes, and nothing has happened. Exactly. Um, what happened in the past was that there was a there was a there was fear that the frequencies that the cell phones were using would affect the um, avionics um, from the plane. However, I mean, you would think that over the past couple of years they have they they would have sort of figured out how, how, to, um, how to counteract that in the plane design. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more because they don't want you to be distracted um, from maybe, maybe um, what, the, what the, in, the instructions that are being given by the air hostess and so on and so forth. So I would, I would say that's, that's, um, that's false. Definitely. Um, but, you're, you're tree for tree. Right. All right. Number four, the original name of Windows was Interface Manager. I think that's a false. Ah, uh, that is actually true. 
interface manager. Okay, that, that's new to me actually. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. All right, before they um, released it, they were going to name it Interface Manager and what's not, right? But before it got released um, widespread, right? You know. Oh, All right. cool. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's actually very interesting. Number five HP, Microsoft, and Apple all started in a garage. Not the same garage, but, you know, in garages. I think that's true. I can, I can say that for. Microsoft, it's true, and um, which other one you have, which other two? Um, HP and Apple. I know from Microsoft and Apple, it's true. I'm not sure about HP, but it's it, HP also, or... yes, it is true, it is true. Okay, so I, 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 I All right, I so you were four out of five. That's not bad, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And so now, I want to leave you with the history of the word quarantine. The practice of quarantine, as we now know it, began during the 14th century in an effort to protect coastal cities from plague epidemics. Ships arriving in Venice from infected ports were required to sit at anchor for 40 days before landing. This practice, called quarantine, was derived from the Italian words quaranta and giorni, which means 40 days. So think about it. Under the coronavirus quarantine, you're only required to isolate yourself for 14 days. Imagine if it were 40. And as always, I leave you in the wise words of Mark Twain. Don't let schooling interfere with your education. Yeah.